The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Dugout Study Hall, remedial course in baseball stats. I'm your host, expert layman Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we'll do a little debrief of the team that we drafted and will co-manage in the PL Podcast League and focus on what we are calling your victory condition. This is the best way to find your path to winning your league based on things like roster size, league depth, format, and scoring. But... Before we get to all of that, let's check in with everybody's favorite Canadian Texan-American Washington, D.C. resident. How you doing, Alex? Hey, not too bad. How are you, Matt? I'm doing okay. A little, a, a little fluster tonight. A little, little parent moment. Uh, my daughter really likes to listen to music before bed, and uh, if I do it on my phone, which I did for a very long time, I can't actually do things like uh, make calls uh, and uh, <laughs> and do stuff like that. So uh, we switched it over to this this tablet that she had, and I won't name the company because. Uh, the story here is that it just totally failed tonight, and uh, she was without <laughs> music. And uh, for all the parents out there, you know that if something goes wrong with the routine, uh, things are at risk. So a uh, little flustered, a little flustered, but we're not going to let it beat us, and uh, we're going to move on. I totally get that. My my cat really likes to watch um, videos of birds on YouTube, and uh, she'll be very upset sometimes if we don't like you know give in and put that on the TV. I'm sure that's just like parenting, right? It's exactly the same, except the, the cat's got claws, right? So you got to be careful because, whew, they can, uh, they can get a little vengeful. Yeah, the good news <laughs> is she's pretty quiet for the most part. Not a whole lot of screaming. Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's, that, that it was not true. My oldest, was the, the music fiasco of the night was with the oldest. And when she was a baby, if she was not sleeping, she was screaming for like three months. That was... That was fantastic. I'm not that flustered. Let's say that. I am not, not that flustered as I was then. You're really selling this stuff. Yeah. What well, listen, kids are fantastic, but uh, I'm not going to lie and say that it's all, you know, uh, uh, puppy dogs and ice cream and kittens and stuff. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Anyway, um, let's get into some baseball here. We got uh, the season is coming up real soon. We should all be mm. excited. I, I, everybody that we're talking to everybody in, in our discord, everybody on Twitter is just like ready and raring to go. So that's exciting. Um, and, uh, what we want to talk about tonight is, um, a little bit about format and leagues and, you know, we know drafts are kind of coming to an end. Draft season is ending and actual fantasy baseball season is starting. Um, and so we want to kind of talk a little bit about format and, and 
um, you know, how it is that you can approach win winning your league um, from a an organizational and like a strategic standpoint. Um, but before we get into all of that, because uh, we've got lots to unpack there, um, we're going to use the number of the week for our bell ringer today. Um, and the number of the week is 45.9 million. Any idea what that number might be, Alex? Um, well, I I think it could have to do with vaccines, or I think it could do with uh, the amount of time that I've spent on my phone for the past couple of months, um, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure. Those are both excellent guesses. You're probably closer with the uh, the actual screen time estimate. Um, no, <laughs> 45.9 million is actually the estimated number of United States fantasy baseball players as of 2019. Mm. This is as we all know, an incredibly popular thing. Uh, and so with so many people playing in so many different formats, we thought that it would be really important uh, to talk um, about, uh, again, the different ways that you can kind of win your league. And I imagine we'll also talk about how to lose your league a little bit, um, though I imagine most of us don't need to plan for that. We can just do that without trying. Uh, hopefully it's more how not to lose your <laughs> league, but... Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so kind of, yeah, yeah, definitely one, one kind of begets the other. Um, so the central question we're going to operate with, uh, and we're moving into it a little bit more quickly here than we normally would in, uh, in another week, but that's because there's a lot to unpack here and we want to make sure we give it adequate Mm -hmm. time, um, is, you know, how does format impact and change my path to winning my league? Something that you refer to as victory condition, which I think is fantastic and awesome. Uh, before we dive too deeply into multiple formats though something that happened uh since the last time that we were uh out there for our listeners we did a podcast league uh, and we drafted so all of the the new pitcher list podcasts with some of the old pitcher list podcasts were, were all doing a league and we did a draft there um and so uh alex and i are co-managing that team and when i say alex and i are co-managing that team what i mean is alex is managing that team and i'm either taking credit for when we do really well or blaming him if we lose uh that's basically how that's gonna work (laughs) and um i thought maybe we should talk a little bit about um our team and how that came together and our strategy and all that so um, you know, I've been talking here for a long time straight, Alex. Why don't, why don't you jump in here and, and, uh, <laughs> and we can take it in whatever direction you'd like to go from here. Sure. So we'll get into like why I made some of the choices that I made here. Uh, but when we sat down, uh, we were given a few pieces of information. Um, this is going to be like a 14 team Yahoo rosters. It's hosted on Yahoo, um, head or head to head league yeah. and it's a uh, weekly lineup. So no, like screwing around with stuff, uh, midweek, um, that's really nice for those of us who are in a million leagues, yeah, like right. everyone in this <laughs> podcast league is in. Uh, so, like, we are basically going to be uh, watching people we'd pick up throughout the week, but we don't have to set it once. Uh, it means yeah. less arguing with each other, which is really nice. Um, but if that means we're doing head-to-head, um, I wanted to think about different ways that I could come out of draft night with a really direct yep. ma- like pathway to winning. Um, or at least not embarrassing myself. It's 14 teams. Yeah. It's really hard to win a 14. Not embarrassing yourself is a noble um, goal. That's a that's a good a good uh, low bar to go into yeah. a draft with. Not embarrassing yourself. Yeah. So we've decided um, one that don't embarrass ourselves, um, and two mm-hmm. that we were going to punt stolen bases as a way to not embarrass ourselves. Um, now I didn't like actively decide like before I got my actual first pick that I was going to punt, but we had the fourth pick and we actually picked 
to have the fourth pick, if that makes sense. It was like our KDS order. I was like, I yeah, could you pick. actually explain uh, that felt- for a moment? KDS, I don't know that everybody knows what that means. Yeah, it's like Kentucky Derby style. Apparently at the Kentucky Derby, they let like the trainers pick which spot to run out of. Um, I have not been to the Kentucky Derby and I do not <laughs> own a horse. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, but basically I told Adam Howe that um, my preferred list started with the fourth pick and kind of went down from there. Okay. So I got and we got pick. it. Yeah. The reason I wanted that is I gave me a couple different options depending on what other people did so that I could choose my route. Um, I fired up my calculator that I've made um, in advance with some projections and I was like, okay, depending on who's left, we're either going to punt average or we're going to punt stolen bases because it's head to head and I wanted to punt something because I thought that'd be <laughs> fun to do. Uh, it's really easy to punt in head to head because there are no consequences basically for being bad at one category. Right. If you can be better at like the other nine categories as a result, exactly. it helps yeah. you out. Uh, so we got f- uh, Soto with the fourth pick and that is like the ideal guy to do a stolen base punt with yep. um, because I personally think that Juan Soto is going to be better than Mike Trout this year. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't. I, I, there's certainly arguments to be made when you talk about the top four or five guys. You could probably make an argument, but um, I, Juan Soto was otherworldly last year, so uh, yeah. I don't think it's absolutely crazy or going out on a on a super long, uh, un unsafe limb to say that. Yeah, and basically from there, I just started checking off all of my lists for the guys that I wanted to punt um, stolen bases. Um, mm-hmm. You need to make sure you have a good floor and batting average because batting average is really volatile. That's why it's good to punt, by the way. We'll get to later on like why you would choose to punt, but like I want to make sure I had a good floor. Um, but you know, we ended up off on the offensive side. Um, we ended up with Corey Seeger pretty early. Um, we got Luke Voigt, uh, Matt Chapman, um, as like some of like the guys that were gonna be like, the cornerstones of this team. Um, built around them. Travis Darno, the catcher spot. Luis Arias was like our late, 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 late second base option. He should help with average. Um, Anthony Santander, uh, CJ Crone, Austin Rowley, and then my boy Josh Naylor rounds out the offensive side <laughs> of this team. So we should be really, really, really well set in uh, counting stats that are not stolen bases and yeah. average. I think that runs could be an issue once in a while, but... I think that for the most part, we can pencil in like three wins on the offensive side. Uh, and which is you got to hope that, really that cool. the weeks that that they maybe underproduce a bit are the, the same weeks that we're playing somebody else who's either not strong there or is also underproducing. Yeah. Now on the pitching side, and this is the really cool thing about punting. You know, we think we're going to be in position to win two and then coin flip on the other two categories in, in mm-hmm. offense. But we have easily, I think, one of the best pitching staffs in this league as well uh, because we didn't spend the draft capital to acquire all those good hitters. So we have Scherzer, Lynn, Freed, Gossman, Keichel as like our cornerstone, currently healthy starting pitchers. We have Carrasco mm-hmm. and Nate Pearson on the bench. Uh, we drafted Kane, uh, James Karinjak as like our big money closer, and we'll see how that goes, but he'll be good for our <laughs> ratios either way, which right. is another good thing about this is like, you know, if you want to uh, spend some money on a closer, at least spend some money on a guy who's also going to be a good setup man if it happens. Uh, we have him, Hector Neris, um, and then Emilio Pagan as our, like, at least two of these guys will hopefully be mostly closers for most of the year. Right. And if we're wrong, yeah, who cares? Um, and we have J.A. Happ as kind of like our, our guy who is currently in the starting lineup because a couple <laughs> of guys are hurt. Uh, yeah. can't wait to get my hands on a couple um, more people off the wire. Right. So we're really excited about this team. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it worked out really well. And, and keeping in mind that this is a 14-team league. 
Yeah. Not a 10 or a 12. So, um, you know, it doesn't seem like that much of a difference maybe, but as you start getting into those middle rounds, boy, you, you can tell the difference, uh, in terms of what's left. And, and especially if you're committed to a strategy, um, because Mm -hmm. there are certain players that you kind of need to complete that strategy and, and they start flying, um, off the board, especially if somebody else has got a similar strategy and in a 14 team league, the likelihood that another team is doing something similar to you in only increases, right? Because there's more teams there doing their thing. Uh, so yeah. I, th- I think we came out of this really, really well. Um, one of the things I'd like to ask you though, is what do you think is going to be the biggest priority that we're going to have to pay the most attention to off the wire, uh, especially competing against obviously other people in the know um, and other people trying to make their teams better as well. So um, we're really weak at second base. Um, I'm kind of okay with being weak at one of your starting positions. Um, a lot of people aren't. Like, everyone's mm-hmm. gonna, like, I got to have a really, really good lineup everywhere. And I'm like, well, I mean, like, someone's going to go into your Utel stop, or spot. We have CJ Crone and Austin Riley currently on our Utel spots. I like both of those guys. They're going to mm-hmm. hit high in the order on teams that will score a lot of runs. At, well, at least Colorado will when they're playing at home. But I think CJ <laughs> Crone is going to be good either way. Um, and that leaves, like functionally our second base is like our weakest position but we have strong util players now we drafted luis arise and starlin castro castro was already apparently hurt yay um (laughs) but you know the idea is we're just going to throw some darts and now that castro's potentially hurt we'll just throw a dart elsewhere and yeah you know there are always a bunch of guys that start to break out really really early in the season i feel like we as a podcast have at least two members who are equipped to uh, figure out who some early dart throws might be that made changes that are worth acquiring. Mm-hmm. I also just like Arias quite a bit. He was really good last year. Uh, he's yeah. triple eligible. He should bat for a really high average. And considering he's left-handed and nobody else is left-handed in Minnesota, it seems, he yeah. should have a lot of playing time. Yeah. So his position stuff's going to be a little bit funky. I think the good news for us, though, um, is that Kirilov is going to start the year in the minors. So he should start the year fully in their starting lineup and whenever someone gets hurt he'll continue to fully be in their starting lineup so i think we got a steal there Um, Uh, yeah and if he if he if he hits they're gonna find a spot for him yeah so that was one of the things that like i knew we needed to figure out late as soon as like my couple of guys at still at second base who like didn't steal much um were off the board i really wanted ian hap he's technically a second baseman in yahoo and i was interested in brandon lau if he slipped but like you know, it, it kind of just continued to be like a cascading series of like, we made some dumb choices. And I think that when kind of we get back to that idea that you kind of introduced earlier, and I want to expand upon more uh, our victory condition for this right. league. Um, we win this league if, and like what things need to break right for us. I would think that one of the things that doesn't have to break right, but would really help is if we can get a top 10-ish second baseman basically for free. Yeah. So that's a hope. Um but it's no by no means guaranteed. Um, the things that actually have to, I think, break right is we need a full year of Juan Soto. You basically to yes. win your league, you, you probably need your first pick to just stay healthy. Realistically, um, we need our pitchers to reliably produce late in the year. Um, I have a lot of guys that I have faith in, in that we picked up, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and we probably just need to come out of April with two guys that have. 65 plus percent of their team's saves um i think that's like basically where we're at um there aren't a whole lot of guys offensively for us that i'm like worried about like 
losing their batting order spots. That was a right, really, right. really high priority for me is I wanted to get guys who I can believe in where they're hitting and who they're hitting for because that's a really reliable way to like put yourself in line for counting stats. If yeah. the guy that you're starting is going to get RBI or run opportunities, you know, e- even if he's just walking and not necessarily actually helping you in the average department of some week for some or for some reason you're gonna be a good spot so that was a big priority for us um i don't know like i'm not the world's biggest dallas keigel fan but he's functionally give you like our <laughs> sp5 or six here i think the thing that would really help us out is if um carlos carrasco isn't gone for the year and is coming back and yes. like, pitching in may yeah um, we got I, the, a pretty good discount like mid 150s something like that uh, i think it was even higher i think it was uh 170s you know i'll actually call that up and look here mm-hmm. um uh, I think that's a good deal, though, and I think people overrate how much injury hurts your draft value. I mean, he basically went from being like a fifteen dollar guy to a five dollar guy. And so it was. Uh, you're going to need to do the fast math on this. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here in your brain. But it was the fourth pick of the thirteenth round in a fourteen team. Okay, league. so twelve times fourteen is um, let's see, one fifty eight, one seventy two. So one seventy six. Pick one seventy six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was I thought it was around 180. So I think that's an absolute steal for what he's yeah. going to be. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the reason we got him there is because he's a nothing if he's hurt all year, mm, or yeah, even half I, half the year is tough because in head to head. Now this is this is one of those gambles that in in a straight roto, um, it's a little easier to take because when he comes in, he just adds to your numbers. But in head to head, if you haven't hung up to the point where he comes back. Um, and you're, you know, uh, two and eight when he comes back, you've dug yourself a bit of a hole. And so he's really only helping you get back to even that's not necessarily a great investment. So, um, on that note, I think maybe we, uh, talk a little bit more about the different victory conditions in different situations. So that was our victory condition given our set of circumstances, given the competition in the league, uh, given the size of the league, given the settings, the positions, two utilities, one catcher, head-to-head uh, categories, all of those things. So mm-hmm. what are some other um, victory conditions? Uh, we can talk a little bit about, uh, uh, go into a little bit more detail. I mean, on punting, um, mm-hmm. strategies around punting. You had mentioned earlier average. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about punting average yeah yeah i think punts are a fun place to start even if you already drafted your leagues at home and you're not planning on punting anything i think it's really important to understand why average is worth punting in a lot of situations basically the idea is that batting average is going to be really fluky Mm -hmm. um at the end of the year someone's batting average is likely to be 10 or more points away from what you expect on a weekly basis you basically have no idea um we wanted to grab some guys that typically hit for average in our case but i'm not banking on us winning average every week in the same way that i'm really really hoping we're trying to win rbi home runs every week i can't count on average and that makes a really great category to punt because you're already not all that confident in even a good team in terms of batting average being good at it week to week so like if you can just like suddenly get a bunch of guys who are batting 220 but have a 350 obp because of their huge number of walks yeah. well like if they miss the ball a couple times like you know it's gonna ha- it was gonna happen anyway in some other formats the nice thing about average though is there's a ton of guys like that and a lot of them are good at a lot of different things mm-hmm. so if you punt average you can get complimentary players for every single different 
format basically uh, or i mean every, every other category not format what am i talking about <laughs> uh, like if you want a guy who's good at runs well you can get nimmo um you can also get like aaron judge early on um i got bryce harper by the way um spoiler for those of you guys who are in the uh, venezuelan summer league uh pl team or pl league <laughs> um i'm punting average there <laughs> yeah so uh, i got harper uh mondesi judge all pretty early um and because uh it's not i'm not even valuing average at all that's what you punt by the way yeah it's not that you try to get guys who are bad at it it's just you don't care right um, you're blind to it yeah yeah if judge hits 290 i won't care uh maybe it'll win me average one week cool i didn't pay anything for it um, right that's the idea is like you take guys about maybe 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 a little bit before where you would actually get them but generally speaking you're taking guys about where they would go um but just disregarding um how much their average hurts you or helps you and just building the best team to win a nine category league basically yeah. um so the nice thing again i said it earlier if you're only trying to win four offensive categories that means you can spend a little bit more money early on pitching and then get value hitters later on right so i know I, I got Ian Happ in that league and i'm super psyched about it <laughs> i also got Mustakas. i've got kyle schorber i've got nimmo but you know mondesi is my steals guy but right. Harper's also going to steal. Um, and there's some other like guys like Leo Tavares who are, could probably steal quite a few bases or Miles right. Straw. And you have no idea how what they're going to do average-wise, but they're probably going to hit towards the top of an order. There's some runs. There's a ton of RBI home run guys. And you can basically underpay for all of them, build yourself a three to four category juggernaut, um, and then just wipe the floor with the other team in pitching, which is yes. really my strategy yeah. in this league that I'm drafting. Again, it's the Venezuelan Summer League, and you guys are probably Venezuelan Winter League, I guess is what they're calling it. Because, mm. like, anyways, but yeah, I've got Shane Bieber, Lance Ling, Sonny Gray, Zach Plesac, um, and I am really, really happy with how that started out because I just didn't feel like I needed to pay for any of the top tier hitters because right. so many of the guys in the first hundred picks are going to be good at batting average. Yeah. Uh, so that's the big idea is I know that I win by having good pitching and then getting cheap hitting late. That's the thing about a punt is you like figure out where's the value and what do you actually need to pay full price for? I mean, you got to pay full price for someone in the first round. I went pitcher. And that's yeah. something we couldn't do in that stolen base punt is we were banking on getting one of the best hitters and then coming back for pitching later. Well, and so. once you get Soto, I mean, you don't pass him up. You build your strategy exactly. around a guy yeah. like that. Now, here's the other piece that I, I just want to throw out there because it brings us back to a concept that you've talked to us a lot about, and that is averages are averages for a reason. So um, if you're punting average, uh, I think it's an important point that you made that you're not actively looking for people who are bad at it. You're just not paying any attention to it. Uh, but on the flip side, too, you don't want to um, – do anything super crazy because of that. If there's value to be had and it just happens to be somebody who's good at average, but they're also useful in other categories, you don't pass them up in that situation either. Uh, but averages are averages for a reason. And this is something that we've talked about a lot. So somebody who hits 240 for the season, that means necessarily at some point is probably going to have a week where they hit 280. And if that's a week where it helps you pick up a win, um, which very easily can happen in a weekly league head-to-head, uh, -head. Um, you know, you, you, you can still benefit from that category. And when you have that player hit 120 to set offset that, well, you're not losing anything because you weren't banking on getting it anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, again, I want to say one of the reasons why average also works out is because it doesn't necessarily correlate with other things. You would never punt home runs. Um, when I say right. never, but no sensible person who's trying to win their league would punt home runs because home runs are going to correlate with like everything else that's important, like RBI. Right. Um, so there, you're you're accidentally punting two categories. You know, you wouldn't punt runs. Um, you can punt steals because it doesn't correlate with things. You can punt average because it doesn't correlate with things. You can punt saves, um, mm-hmm. but you want to still make sure you're getting good relievers who are good at ratios, other stuff. You might accidentally end up not punting saves by year's end. Um, exactly right. So that, that's definitely a thing that you know we didn't intentionally spend a bunch of money on a top tier closer in our team in our league. I mean, we got Karen Check, but he's not going in the first hundred picks. Um, but he's still a guy that we really really thought that he could be good there's another guy you were interested in brad hand who i was just a little bit more concerned personally about his skills deteriorating Mm, right he's not striking near as many people out he's had a a gradual shift away from like swinging strikes towards foul balls and i'm just worried that those foul balls are going to start to be in play so that's like a personal worry but like that was definitely within the bigger context of like i'm drafting this guy to help us win era and whip just as much as I'm hoping that he gets me some saves. Right. And somebody that you get that's a top-of-the-line setup guy who's helping you in ERA and whip and, and winds up in the role, which happens all the time. Um, yeah, you luck into some saves there as well. But it's a lot easier if you already have that that guy on your team when he gets the role than it is to be fighting everybody else for FOB and uh, a waiver um, priority and all that to try and get him. Yeah. Now, to say, like, that sort of... in that sort of stuff is still going to apply if you're playing a Roto League. And there are a lot of things that we did in this league that I think still do broadly apply. Now, I wouldn't punt, like full punt, stolen bases in Roto, but we also know which categories tend to cost the most to be really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and stolen bases are typically a bad value to be in first place for. Um, so I'm not often going out of my way to be at the top of the line for steals so what we're talking Uh, about there is opportunity cost to draft it and win it right what you're giving up in if you're taking mondesi in the whatever the fifth third third okay so (laughs) so third is even worse who else is on the board that you're you're not Mm -hmm. taking just so that you don't have to think about steals later on um that's tough that's a really tough pick to make um unless it's part of a larger strategy like you were talking about yeah, and I think with Mondesi, that also brings us to, like, separately a different discussion of, like, what sort of risks you're going to take. So our risks that we took in our draft were, one, that we could get the specific guys that we needed to make the punt possible, and that there wouldn't be a bunch of other people doing the same punt, right. and that other people wouldn't just be, like, randomly into the guys really, like, um, Joey Gallo went, like, pick 75 or before in my uh, um, my staff league, uh, yeah. which... He's not going 75th anywhere. I thought I'd be able to get Joey Gallo. I'd probably jump the line a bit around pick 115, and I was wrong. But there are yeah. a lot of other guys like Joey Gallo um, who I could still count on. I got Kyle Schorber. I'm yep. really happy with that. I'll be fine. Like, Miguel Sano went earlier than I thought he would, but I'll still be fine. And hell, if those guys get dropped later on, like, I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and what happened. Um, but, like, if you're drafting a guy like Mondesi, and this is actually a discussion I had within the Peel Plus Discord, uh, comparing, like, why he's not on uh, Nick's, like, draft targets list. Well, mm-hmm. if you're a guy like Nick Pollock, your victory condition is that you can get cheap pitching 
right. but you know which cheap pitching that you can get. And that means that you're going to have a good base in hitting early on. He talks all the time about like, here's his strategy and here's what he's going for. Modesty is not a part of that typically for him because Modesty represents a different type of risk. He's a, this guy is either going to boom or he's going to bust. And right. depending on how far in one direction or the other, he booms and busts. Um, that's going to affect where I am in the league standings. Uh, if you're loading up with a lot of guys with injury risk, you're just gambling that things are going to go right. So if you draft both like Giancarlo Stanton and um, Cookie Carrasco in the same draft, or if you're jumping the line to get Luis Severino or any number of other similar choices you might make like that, those are the sorts of things where you have to be aware of where all of your risk lies. Um, just drafting any player who's good risks them being injured. But if you're taking on more risk and potentially more reward, you just got to be aware of how much of that. Um, and then maybe balance trusts, it out later on with stability where you can as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of like leads into a trap that some people can like fall into. It's where you're like at every pick, you're like, okay, I really trust him what this guy can do. It's like you, you draft Kyle Hendricks 23 times, right? Well, what <laughs> happens? It means you come in fifth. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, that, that's the sort of thing that at some point you have to take on those risks. You can't be afraid of them. You have to be taking risks that you think match to your particular skill set. So I think that a thing that I am typically good at is identifying uh, waiver-ish hitters who um, have skill sets I can bank on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm typically not good at that with pitching. Um, and I know that. And I like to draft good pitchers <laughs> to compensate. But like I can go find the hitting stats I trust in and... Um, I'll have one or two of them on my roster to begin the year. And then when I'm wrong about them and they show me something different, I will move on. Yeah. Well, I, that's another piece. That's that's something that's always been very hard for me as a, as a more casual player uh, leading into me joining pitcher list and all of these very fancy leagues with all these very smart people um, is having that, that person and having an emotional attachment to that person um and I, I to a certain degree i do very much believe in the fact that you should want the guys that are on your team to be on your team you should have people you want to root for uh, but at the mm -hmm. same time if you're too emotionally invested and you can't cut cut bait when it's time and pick somebody up that may, might be a little bit risky i think that's that's problematic too uh, and the flip side of that being too quick to part with stable talent for the shiny new toy that just got called up from AAA. Mm -hmm. Also a trap that I've fallen into numerous times, <laughs> wanting to be the person who has the next Mike Trout, um, seeing it before anybody else does and wanting to be the one who, who uh, gets that person uh, in non-fob leagues. Um, but in order yeah. to make that happen, yeah, as I'm hemming and hawing, giving up somebody that is is a stable uh, source, an, a stable but unsexy source of something. And, and that's certainly a trap that I've, I've been guilty of falling into myself. Yeah. Now, I, I feel like a lot of stuff that we hear about um, in the larger like podcast universe ends up tying back to some leagues that I know neither of us are playing in, which are like NFBC style like or TGFBI style like right. overall leagues. Um, I do not have money. To waste on playing fantasy when I could spend that same money on um, beer while watching baseball instead, <laughs> yeah. um, or any number of other things. Um, so, like, I don't particularly care about an overall component ever, and I'm okay with winning my league or just finishing high in a non-redraft league uh, if I'm bad in one category. It's totally viable. Um, yeah, 
and you'll hear everyone be like, all right, you got to pick up these like boomer bus guys because you got to try to win the overall. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. And you got to be able to like have a balance and be good in everything. You got to be hitting the 80th percentile in steals on the underraft. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because, you know, it's really funny. It feels like every single person in the NFBC has a podcast about being in the NFBC. So it's like, who's this advice for anyway? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think it's very important to know where that advice is coming from. And and it is important to acknowledge that if you're in something that has an overall, that that definitely requires a different thought process if you are in it to win the overall or to compete in the overall. Uh, because it's it's a little bit more like a DFS play where if you have the same lineup as everybody else, you're you're not going to win. You're going to do okay, but you're not going to win. Yeah, this actually comes back to a really interesting discussion I have every year with people about the NCAA tournament, how to bet on that. Mm. It's the idea that if you're picking the number one seed that everyone else is picking, if you're picking Gonzaga to win the title, you don't win your bracket pool because you picked Gonzaga. Right. You're requiring yourself to be right about other things as well. So um, I know that every year Slate will publish like the, here's the team that you should pick in order to win your bracket pool by the easiest path possible where you can be wrong about the most stuff and still win. So they'll always pick like the two seed that nobody else is picking enough, the most undervalued title contender. And then from there, the idea is that you don't have to be the most right on the first weekend. Um, But you know, if you're someone like me who picked Gonzaga, you have to be right about the most first weekend picks or you have to have the most final four picks and that requires you to be good at a different set of things right um that's actually the like the place where this idea of victory condition comes from for me um is just like knowing what do i have to be right about in my bracket tournament in order to win and if you're playing an overall you you might need to be picking some guys that are reaches pretty frequently in order to make it work and that's the whole idea is like okay which guys am i picking around early to make sure I get him because this is where I'm putting my marbles. Uh, remember last year I made fun of some people. It was like, you got to pick Tatis in the second round or like, or they're like late first round. And I was like, I mean, like this just doesn't apply to me. I don't know why I'd get this. And then, you know, lo and behold, he goes off real hard. Yeah. And, but you know, it, those are, those are like generational players, right? You're not yeah. going to get that every year. It makes a lot of sense in the context of trying to differentiate yourself from other people so that your win condition is just as likely to pay off, but with different players so that your path is is to be different and separate. Um, and so I, I think a really important part of this is knowing yourself and your strengths and weaknesses as a player. Um, are you more of a gut feel? Are you a statistics person? Who are you listening to? Is the advice they're giving targeted toward your league and your format? Um, and just to kind of go back to a guy like Mondesi, um, I think because as we've talked about before, he's kind of an extreme player. And when you take a, a, a piece of logic to its extreme, it sometimes becomes a little bit more clear. Um, Mondesi is also a very streaky person. So in a season long roto, um, you can just let him be steal zero bases for three weeks and then steal 25 in a week. <laughs> no, that's crazy, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, and in the end, it evens itself I'm out. Doing the math there. I'm if you, yeah, that it. would be very unlikely. Um, but walk enough to make the, it uh, he doesn't, it's, it's infuriating that somebody that's that good at stolen bases has an, like an under 6% walk, walk rate, but that's for a different episode. Um, fair. It'd be unfair if he was good at walking. He's just just trying something to toy with us. Then he would almost be worth drafting where he's going. But if you're in a a weekly league, right, and and you did 
draft him in a in a, a head-to-head weekly league where you're playing against somebody for a week and you got him to be your steel source, it is likely that there are going to be weeks he gives you none and he's where you kind of put your you put a lot of eggs in his basket and there are going to be weeks where he wins you that category by way more than you needed to win it. So if you mm-hmm. win that week, you know, uh, 11 steals to two, you didn't need him to steal seven bases that week. Uh, and when you needed him to steal three, he gave you zero. So um, I know you know what you're doing in all of that, but it is important to understand that there's a significant difference in all of these formats. And a, a win condition or a victory condition often comes from understanding your system's scoring and format mm-hmm. better than your league mates. Um, who are just drafting the people that they like. Yeah, and I think that's where we can kind of get into some of the other fun stuff that's going to be changing, um, especially also for you guys who are not playing Yahoo. Um, I kind of like talked about them early on about their particular format where you won't have like a corner or a middle guy. You'll only have three outfielders. You'll have two utility players. Um, also, just like a separate thing from Yahoo, um, I really doubt that Ian Happ is a second baseman in your non-Yahoo league. Yeah, no, um, not very I, unlikely. Get Ian Happ anyway, um, but God, if you're a Yahoo League, please get Ian Happ, please. And when he busts, yell at me, but I'll already be crying because I'm not owning him everywhere. Lourdes um, Gurriel is also second base eligible. Yeah, there's another leagues. guy like that. You know, like, yep. anyways, so like that's, I think a really fun can of worms to pick out early is um, just particularly differences in positional eligibility and how you're going to win differently depending on um, what those positions are doing differently, right? So a thing that I'm really aware of and constantly trying to be good at is catcher. Um, And you don't like to be good at catcher as much as I do. This is something we talked about on draft day. I think we compromised really well uh, getting Travis Darno on the Braves. Um, Now, listen, before you, before you go too far, I just want to say this. I, I buy into your premise. I, um, I I think I just have a very hard time with the opportunity cost of where you have to take those guys, and that's where I'm willing to not. But I do I do buy into what you're saying. I think it also applies to top tier closers. But uh, we can talk about that when uh, yeah. when we get through with catchers. So sorry to have interrupted. Yeah. Please carry on. Oh no no, I, I think you're <laughs> you're really right to get out in front and draw that comparison with closers, which wasn't necessarily on my mind. So basically, the premise that I put forward, and I'm not the only person out there who likes to scream about this stuff. Um, promise you, uh, Todd Zola did mm-hmm. like a draft event that I was part of last year, where uh, basically his premise was that he was going to draft. Um, 10 or 15 different teams. He might've drafted way more than that. Um, but it, for at least a bunch of them, um, he made sure that he drafted Real Muto in every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And he basically just tested out what would his drafts look like. Um, the reason why you would draft Real Muto like the 40th pick is because the gap between Real Muto and the 12th best catcher in most leagues is at least as big as the gap between like Xander Bogarts and whoever the first shortstop sitting on someone's bench is right yeah um the gap between cat like catchers is gigantic and we're talking like the number of additional runs rbi stolen bases hits guess you want to call it like hits above like batting average or Mm -hmm. or, hits above like um replacement level you can turn into accounting sounds weird um like he's going to provide you so much more out of the catching spot than you'd get anywhere else um and that gap helps win you leagues um now realm has got like that name brand for the guy in your league who is doing that strategy right like you know if there's a guy in every room who's a really into realm you can still pull off the same thing by just getting like the second or third best catcher four or five rounds later yeah 
which is currently what I endorse, uh, especially your punting. Like, if you're punting batting average, you absolutely got to go get uh, Yasmani Grandal in like mm. the 12th round. It's just unfair how good that strategy is. Right. Uh, it comes together for you. Yeah. So in our case, I wanted to make sure we got, and this is the reason, by the way, why Real Madrid is so good. I wanted to get a guy who I thought would get 55 to 60% of the team's catcher plate appearances. Right. That's it. It's just volume. I mean, Real Madrid is really good and pretty durable, um, which really helps. But, you know, if you can get a guy who's just hitting third or fourth in the order, but still only catching 55% of a team's games, you know, it makes 100 starts from the third in the order, that might still be 400 PAs versus like 320. And that'll win you some really close matchups. That gives you a nice foundation. And that's why people go crazy for the catcher eligible position player, because they're competitively going to get a lot more at bats and and get a lot more opportunities and, and accumulate a lot more of those stats. Um, I think that you bring up a really good point with this, and it's a way to look at things that is very easy to do in points leagues, right? You, if you're doing points leagues and you have points projections, you can look at points above replacement. It's relatively straightforward. When you just look at ranks for Roto, the gaps are harder to see, uh, which is one of the reasons, I think, at least, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I will give you a chance to use your own words oh, no, in you're, your own you're mouth. Right on here, and I want you to keep going. Uh, but why you like to use auction value calculators because it gives you a dollar amount so that you can see that, okay, this might be the fourth-ranked second baseman, uh, but the difference between uh, one and four is five dollars, and the difference between four and five is fifteen dollars. That's it's the same idea as tiering, but it gives you a lot more of an idea as to how far that drop off really is. And so, I I really do buy into what you're saying in terms of catcher because it's about replacement value. Um, again, I it, it's hard I think sometimes to wrap your head around in the moment the opportunity cost of of who else you can have and how their value above replacement might eventually factor in, um, you know, especially as that clock is ticking down, if it's not a slow draft and it's, you know, 15, 14, 13, uh, I'm taking Dallas Keuchel, not saying that that happened in our draft, but it, it may did. have. Um, <laughs> I feel good about it in retrospect. I think it worked yeah, out right? okay, but yeah. it's just one of those moments, right? The clock is ticking and sometimes it's like, ah, click. And um, so again, I don't have a problem with the premise at all, but I do think it's important that people understand um exactly what's driving this and if you're just looking at top 300 it's not going mm-hmm. to tell you that nuance yeah and, and i think like a worry i'll often hear from people is like what if he gets hurt well what if xander bogart's got hurt right you're what still if Juan soto gets hurt what there. if anybody gets hurt i mean it's obviously more of a narrative with people who have a history but oftentimes to be fair that that injury history is baked into ranks and, and values so Um, You know, you look at John Carlos Stanton and he's, he's an $18 player and nobody's touching him. Nobody's touching him. Nobody's touching him. Well, the, what you really need to think about, I think, correct me if I'm wrong again, because I think you understand this in a a statistical mathematical sense better than I do. But if you take John Carlos Stanton plus whatever you have to fill in with when he's out, you're still going to wind up with an $18 player. If John Carlos Stanton doesn't get hurt, you're going to have a 26 or a $27 player. Um, mm, and that's where exactly. people understand value and can take those those uh, risks, understanding that this is a risk worth taking because there's a, a, a pretty high floor, but the ceiling is is kind of through the roof. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's really worth discussing the different places where I'm more willing to do that. So if you're in a really shallow league, um, you're pretty much obligated to draft one of Judge or Stanton. And <laughs> especially if you have a bunch of IL spots to stash at least one of Carrasco, Severino, or Cindergard. I'm not encouraging people to pick up Sale at this point, even though I love Chris Sale. Yeah. Because uh, I just don't think the reality where Chris Sale pitches a lot of innings is a realistic one because like the Red Sox are going to be really bad I think uh, <laughs> and yeah, they're going to be agree. content to there's not going to be any need to push him. Uh, I, I believe he just had a, a setback. I'm not sure how uh, major that is, but yeah, the, it's like the COVID related. Uh, I'm not sure. I honestly don't like know. The neck strain, kind of both. Maybe yeah, it wasn't I his mean, arm, is what I remember. Either way, so like, even if it shuts oof. him down for a little bit for a completely unrelated issue, it just pushes the timeline out. I, 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 exactly, I agree exactly. that he. Um, He's a lot more of a risk. Now, listen, if you've got a league that's got unlimited IL spots, uh, because, Why not? yeah, that means it's not going to hurt you to carry them, then sure. Um, yeah. Anyway. I know that ESPN in particular is pretty stingy with its IL spots um, and stuff, which is really frustrating. And ESPN also has higher numbers of um, starts that you can plug uh, batters into in Roto Leagues. So in ESPN, you know, there's another reason why you would want to make sure you'd stay away from a guy who's going to be giving you less volume. Whereas in, in Yahoo, generally the rule is, um, you know, they're not trying to encourage you to just grind players into your roster and just mm-hmm. ma- maximize value. So that's like kind of like a weird difference for those of you guys who are playing at home. I have no idea how your fan tracks league will set it up if you're playing there. I don't know how CBS works at all because I've never used CBS. <laughs> CBS um, does have some it? wonky rules. So I, I think it just reinforces the point that – this is where you can, in, in terms of victory condition, this is the, the, the overall concept is knowing your league, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing how your league mates play, but most importantly is knowing your rules and your settings and what you can exploit within them. Yeah, it's problem solving at the end of the day. It's, it's asking yourself, like, what's going on here maybe that other people aren't going to be aware of? Um, and then just trying to figure out what the logical extension of that is. You know, I'll see people who are, like, hitting up, like, random people on Twitter for like suggestions about their, like who to get where. And I'm like, well, I need all this stuff to know what the best strategy is. Yeah, or, like, definitely. I need to know all of this stuff about what the best play is going to be. Cause it's not obvious. It's just not. Um, and you know, things change really, really drastically. Um, I should say um, just kind of a weird symmetry about that Fernando Tatis, like NFBC suggestion. Another guy that they were suggesting in the very same breath was going to be um, Austin Meadows. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're playing in a, like Yahoo or ESPN Home League, and you picked up Austin Meadows in the second round last year, um, you probably stopped setting your lineups at some point because you were so far out of first place. Um, so, <laughs> you yeah. know, in a lot of these places, like it's important also, I think, to take on this sort of challenge creatively and push yourself because that's what makes this fun. Um, right. I mean, it's fun for me that our league will have um, at least one oral on our roster that's really <laughs> groundbreaking um anthony santander please stay healthy um but i think that like, having this sort of like i'm taking on a challenge i know i gotta win for this reason and i'm gonna go try to do it in april other than just putting the guy in a lineup to win i think that's a good way to keep yourself engaged and caring about your league uh, which can be challenging yeah. Um, especially if you have like eight of them <laughs> yeah and, it's, yeah I'm that's true there. but if you have if you kind of have a plan you know who you're looking for in waivers i think that um 
yeah, I think that's a great point. It does it does help keep you engaged. And and if you've got eight, you've got eight different strategies you can try out and see how they go. And, and then you've got more information for next year. Um, I'm going to give you a, a, a little bit of a rapid fire here. Uh, you know, there's so many different settings and I have a whole bunch of them listed here in front of me and we're not going to get to them all. Um, but uh, just give me your, I don't know, three sentences on each one. And then we're going to move into um, uh, our pass fail segment. So sounds good. Um, how do you feel about points leagues overall? Um, I'm growing on them. I'm in a couple of them and I really like the flexibility that they give you. Uh, it can just be a little bit disorienting at first. I encourage everyone who has at least three light leagues in their like diet to pick up at least one points league mm-hmm. and try it out. I really, really like Otnu. Um, Otnu points in particular, we're doing fan graphs points. It's a 14 league team league. It's really weird. And I'm also in worst ball points for PL. Try it. I promise you it's not as like lame as you think it is. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite formats. I think one of the things I like about it, and it is also its challenge, so I understand why, you know, if you're used to playing Roto, it's like I got categories, I've got this figured out. But the nice thing I, that I really like about points is it it, uh, it gives you credit for everything a player does. It really captures more of their skill set. So somebody who... Uh, in a typical five by five, hits a lot of doubles or, or and or triples. I mean, I know there's not that many triples hitters out there, but extra base guys don't really get a lot of pop for that. Um, if you have uh, somebody who walks a lot, you don't really get much for that unless they're scoring runs. Uh, so uh, that's one of the reasons I really like points leagues is that it, it really counts everything that somebody is good at, and I think it's a you know you you can get more excited about um, of what's going on in an actual game. Um, I also uh, should say points leagues where they like correlate to points to things that actually strongly correlate to things like war. Really cool. Um, yeah. Cause then you can stop caring about stolen bases and saves. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, not that There's they don't the score points, but they score points in a way that doesn't require you to make difficult opportunity cost decisions to get them. Um, mm-hmm. which I also exactly. like, um, all right. Two catcher leagues. Um, you should draft two really good catchers. If you're in a two catcher league, and also you should stop being in your two catcher league. And I think you the buried the lead on it, that one. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, well, I think that's the thing. Is like I was talking to a lot of people who are in NFBC, TGFBI sort of situations, which are two catcher. Again, why is that the thing that everyone cares about? Is a two catcher situation? It's ridiculous. It's I super think dumb. it's because it's become an industry thing. Thing. Sorry, an industry thing. There's no such thing as a thing. <sighs> Uh, and so I mean, it drives it because a lot of the experts are talking about it because it's the thing. Um, I I almost feel like it was a way to try and say, like, for really good, savvy players, this is going to throw a monkey wrench into it. But I don't know. I don't I don't like it. If you're going to try and do something like that to add depth, I feel like it should be more utility spots. Uh, I, I play fantasy football as well. It's a totally different animal. But I feel like this would be like I'm going to make this a more interesting league by having it be a two kicker league. And I prefer zero kicker league. So <laughs> I, I, for me, I just don't quite understand why you would want to take the weakest position on the diamond and, and make people have two of them. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm, there are people out there who seem to really like it and I'm sure that they have uh, really smart things to say about that too. To draw like a complete opposite direction, but still fantasy football sort of thing. It's like, I know that a trend is either two quarterbacks or super flex leagues because the idea is that the, replacement level for quarterback and one quarterback leagues is way too high so it balances them out and makes everyone kind of equally like valuable and where there are just like excellent quarterbacks in the wire well two catcher leagues take that same idea and do the wrong thing yeah um the opposite but and this is really important there are a lot of people that i 
generally trust who will try to punt catcher in TGFBI. And it makes me not trust them because it's just so obviously the wrong strategy um, because replacement is so horrendous. Mm. Um, and they're willing to just have that the worst guy in the entire league on their roster. And I'm like, no, do not have the worst guy in the entire league on your roster, especially when catchers are undervalued in two catcher leagues. We should stop talking about this format. It's so awful. <laughs> What's your next one? <laughs> the next one is uh, three outfielder versus five outfielder and how that changes your approach to that position. Okay, in three outfielder leagues, um, those typically tend to correlate with not having a middle infield and a corner infield. Um, I tend to prize um, positional ex- or eligibility from my outfielders so yeah. I can stick them in the infield in case I accidentally draft too many of them. It's really easy to get good outfielders. Uh, there are going to be so many of them who get called up, and it's a great place to just stick dudes who are good at playing baseball but aren't necessarily good at footwork and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it's the easiest one to find pop-up guys. Yep. Um, there are also a lot of platoons in the outfield. So there's three outfielder leagues just kind of let you show off how much you're paying attention. Five outfielder leagues, uh, you got to get more of them. So like, I tend to want guys like Ian Happ in three outfielder leagues. God, I love to plug him. But I also love to pl- get, grab anyone else who I feel like also is going to have infield eligibility of some sort. Um, Mancini. Uh, because in case something happens, I can just shuffle guys around in smaller lineups. You want to keep your good dudes in the lineup. Um, five outfielder leagues, you know, I pretty much am planning on turning one of those outfielder spots into a um, platoon and or like streaming spot where I'm just going to figure it out as I go along. Uh, yeah. Just because I know it's going to be so deep, I'll be able to grab some guy who's like unowned but still really good um, and um, just make it like us move, move it around depending on who's playing who around the league. Okay. How about uh, weekly versus daily lineups? What do we need to know about that? Um, in weekly lineups, you want to make sure that everybody you're rostering has a like full-time grip on their job. Um, and it's kind of complicated sometimes to know what that's going to be for some teams. So a thing you might want to do in order to like gain an advantage in those weekly lineup leagues is to be looking for guys where there's a position battle, but both of them have like the same handedness. So like one mm. of them's going to win pretty much. That's the thing yeah. I look for. Um, also really, really important in those sorts of formats to make sure you're not getting too many old guys. Um <laughs> Also, really, really, really good catchers are way more valuable in weekly leagues. Yes, yes, yes. We know you love catchers. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's probably true in just like any sort of uh, daily moves head-to-head. Still, like, you want to get a good catcher. Um, Yeah. But in daily moves leagues, um, you're allowed to have a few more of those platoon guys. And if you're being sneaky, what you can do then is you get someone like... It used to be someone like Jock Peterson, but you know you might grab someone who's going to be in a platoon who's going to be really good, um, a Gavin Lux sort of guy, mm-hmm. and then you also grab someone with positional el- multi-positional eligibility at another position so you can just slide him around. So it's really fun to pair. God, Ian Happ, <laughs> or you know I'll, I'll let you have someone else here. Uh, um, you might like Guriel Jr. You pair him with uh, Gavin Lux and you move him around. It's yeah. a nice sneaky little thing to do in some of those daily moves uh, head-to-head leagues. All right, I got two more, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on to our all right, what's gonna wind up being our last segment. Um, uh, leagues that have all P spots instead of SPRP. Um, it really just depends on the scoring. Um, I like the flexibility, um, but I tend to, to think that it doesn't change much for me. Like the ESPN home league that I really really love um, is just like all pitching spots, but in like mm-hmm. Yahoo in particular is famous for this, or like you might see it in some other leagues where there'll be like a designated RP spot. Well. If you're required to win the position, or pardon me, if you're required to win a category, like 
saves. You're going to use that spot anyway. But if you're not, let's say you're in a points league uh, mm-hmm. and you're required to have one, just check your settings to figure out which sorts of guys. And depending on the moves, like, might be the easiest way to shuttle in guys and get points. You know, like, I play in an odd new league that has uh, different starting and relief spots, um, but you can only use starters in the starting spots. So if a guy has a relief eligibility, you can't just take him in the starting spot. So be really careful there. But, like, there are some formats where you'll be, like, in a weekly points league where guys who are reliever eligible starters are super valuable right because they're going to get so many more points than relievers are and you just stick them there and that's the way to win and i hate leagues where that's possible because then it just feels like you're devoting your entire strategy not to being good at figuring out who's good at baseball um but i mean yeah i think that's i think that's probably true in a lot of ways of all leagues that you're really i i know that you're looking for people who are are talented but you're also really looking to exploit those those rules and those loopholes i think that's kind of like an exceptional case personally yeah um, where it just kind of like gets to the edge of where i'm okay with that you know it's like i'm okay with the multi-positional guys where ian haps at second base because like at the end of the day you're just figuring out who's most good at hitting and they're all going to hit about the same amount right Mm -hmm. the thing about like positional eligibility with pitchers is you just end up with guys who are just throwing a whole lot more and i tend to think that that's just kind of like a you know, it's not in any way connected to how good your positional guy is. It's just like, but it does impact your draft strategy and and how you. Oh, it do would. That. That's so, the thing, yeah. though, is like Ryan Yarbrough is like a really, really, really valuable commodity, or someone like him. I think Corbin Burns probably has reliever eligibility yeah. somewhere. Yep. And if you're in a league that's like weekly points, like weekly lineups points, um, Corbin Burns is going to be like a second or third rounder just because his value over replacement is going to be so huge right over the other yeah relief pitchers um all right one last thing uh head-to-head categories where you get one win for winning versus head-to-head categories where you split so if you win six four you get six wins and four losses on your record i don't tend to care too much about that but and i think this is really important um if you're going to be punting um I do think that punting is even more advantageous than one win leagues because it's just like, let's get to playoffs. I would think I'm going to actually turn your question back to you. Here's a different situation I think matter is if you're in a head-to-head league without playoffs. Uh, in that situation, punting becomes a little more dangerous. Those because exist? It, head-to-head leagues without playoffs? Yeah, yeah, where it's like soccer style. Hmm. Yeah. does not sound actually, interesting really cool. to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to be in a league like that where it's just like... um. It's almost like weekly roto or something like that, you know, or some ridiculous sort of setup where there's no playoffs. Because I hate playoffs. Oh, I love playoffs. Uh, that's a particular position. Yeah. But that said, like, if you're in a position where um, you're uh, just trying to win overall, you should be way more into punting and figuring out what your, like, maybe even two punts are to really amp up the three to four categories you're trying to win. So you might punt saves and average. Because you only I'm need to win really six, four every for, week. Like, couple yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh I think we've covered a lot there. If any of you at home have any more questions or, or league specific settings or anything at all, please do reach out. Um, I will read the email and then I'll forward it on to Alex. who can give you an answer. Um, <laughs> I should also say, um, just kind of like a, a closing here. If you've already drafted, right. And you didn't go into your draft with one of these plans. That doesn't mean that you can't look back at your roster and figure out what the plan is going forward. Uh, that's a really interesting thing about baseball is you can also kind of just change everything on the fly. Um, yeah. and you can think about how you want to tinker with stuff all of the time. So if you're finding that your, uh, headed team, like is going to be like third to last in uh, steals and you have Kyle Tucker on the roster and there's someone in your league who's like up there, but not quite there on steals. 
maybe you can swing a deal where you right. go full punt and head to head and you end up really helping yourself out by filling out some hole. You get someone who, you know, I don't know who's in Kyle Tucker's like value bracket that you would necessarily need, but you know, maybe you find an outfielder like, I don't know, I think judge costs less than him, but you know, you get the idea there. Yes. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, let's move to an off the book segment uh, because a lot of a lot of times if we have to kick a category we kick the off the books and do a pass fail so we're yeah, gonna that's kick, usually our punt yeah we're gonna we're gonna punt pass fail tonight and we're gonna go off the books and I I, I want you to kind of just do this off the top of your head I don't want you to put all that much thought into it uh, and we only have about three minutes left here anyway if we go a little long it's okay but. Um, I really want just kind of your gut reaction because I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why you might answer this differently. Um, and if you think about it too much, you're going to second guess yourself. But I also feel like you have a lot of like um, math happening in your head and and stats and, and all of that that uh, doesn't need to be conscious. It's very impressive, Alex. Uh, so here's the question, and uh, let's stick with five by five. If we're doing Roto, whether it's head-to-head or season-long, which, in your perfect world, which categories would those be? Would they be stat-cast categories? Would they be the traditional categories? Would they be somewhere in the middle? What would your five offensive categories be? What would your five pitching categories be um, if you had it the way you think it should be to best capture what you think should be captured? Okay, I want to say my prediction is in ten leagues or ten years, I'm playing only points leagues. But <laughs> setting that aside, um, on the offensive side, I'd, I'd kick um, average and steals, and I would go with OBP and slugging. Um, slugging is not a sabermetric category at all. Um, right. and that's why I like it. Uh, it just double counts people who have power. Um, and I think that there are some people who really love all their saber stuff that get frustrated. But I think that fantasy should be fluky. I think that talent should matter in terms of like knowing how good a player is, mm-hmm. but I think that we need luck in there. Um, so I don't want an X stat just for, for example, I want to make sure there's chaos because chaos <laughs> keeps it fun. Unless you're the one who loses because of that chaos. Uh, well, then you just yell more and you try to win next week. Um, <laughs> All right. On the pitching side of things, I'm really conflicted because I, I think the answer is you need to require lineup spots like Otnu does, where you have a certain number of starters and a certain number of levers. And then once you do that, then you get rid of things like wins and um, saves. So I think on what the do you put uh, pitching side, um, so then you would have innings pitched as a category, okay. but you would require people to have a certain number of starters and relievers and be acting like starters and acting like relievers in their lineups. Um, so then like you can have probably strikeouts, innings pitch, ERA, whip, and oh my god, I'm gonna run out of the last category because I can't figure it out here. This is the last thing is like, do I want wins back in there is for, for chaos? I don't like wins. Wins I, I don't are like awful. wins either. Um quality starts like have if, become pretty frustrating too because yeah. of the way pitchers are used. They don't always make it six innings. I, I okay, I I'm actually gonna flip this back around. Here's what I'm gonna do. Let's go four by four. Um, we'll we'll Ooh. kick slugging, and we'll kick both wins and saves and just two innings pitched. So four by four. All right, let's recap the four by four. This is Alex's dream ideal categories. Four by I think, four. I think this is it, yeah. Um, we would do um, home runs, runs, RBI, OBP, and then strikeouts, innings pitched, ERA, and whip. All right, there you go. This is going to be the next big thing. 
yeah. What are we yeah, gonna call the obviously, league? Obviously, we're gonna. What um, are we gonna call it? Um, uh, Toro, because it's not Roto. <laughs> Toro. <laughs> okay, like a bull. Uh, that was, that was, that, well, you told you put me on the spot, and that's what you get apparently. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Okay. Mental note: Don't do that again. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think uh, we've talked a lot about uh, a lot. Try that again. We've talked about a lot in this episode. Uh, like I was saying before, if you have any questions or league-specific uh, inquiries that you'd like to, to send to us, you can do it uh, through Twitter. You can email us. Um, it's dugoutstudyhall at gmail.com. Um, Alex, thank you very much for indulging me on this and kind of going down some of these rabbit holes that I uh, that I sprung upon you. <laughs> I appreciate and, uh, it. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. We appreciate all of you at home for listening. Alex, thanks for uh, being a part of it as always. Uh, if you could go ahead and let the people know where they could find us. Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked Matt. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at dugout study hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.